All right, what's up, Ben? That ought to work. There we go. There we go. We got this you thing working. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. All right. How are cool. you? <laughs> I'm good. How you doing? Good, man. Couldn't be better, dude. Couldn't be better. I'm excited to get these next few minutes in with you. Uh, and good to meet you. Yeah. You too. You too All right. Dr. So, I, I see. I see you're you're walking there on something. Uh, yeah, yeah. I have one of those, uh, one of those, uh, walking treadmills in my office. Usually the internet's too slow in my office to do any kind of video like this, but it appears to be working. So, oh, thumbs yay. up. There you go. There you go. Awesome. So, um, man, I just wanted to thank you for, for coming through today and, you know, talking a little bit to our community. You know, um, we do have here a, a, a nice micro environment of biohackers and, uh, just really hardcore blood biohacking we do a lot of uh data driven uh medicine uh our group you know and and we look to really prove you know to people hey here's the changes in your blood and this is how your body's changing your psyche's changing your mood is changing and we're really really big on on uh uh biological therapy not pharmaceutical therapy not but cellular therapy good old biochemical therapy you know so today i wanted to get some of your your insights and a little bit of the cellular world and and uh and um you know just just get going with it all right yeah awesome awesome so so um ben i i know i've been following you for some time i know i know how fond you are of biohacking and so forth and and um a big something something big that we have nowadays is is uh epigenetic clocks um and epigenetic clocks you know sometimes people are like oh i don't know i don't know if that's real i don't know if that really works you know what am i you're telling me that you know i'm actually not 37 years old i'm 42 or you're telling me that i'm actually 29 so what's your thoughts on that? Because we, you know, sometimes we get pushback on that. And, and, uh, and, um, I know we're both good friends with Ryan Smith, which I think has one of the best labs in, to, to do these things, but what's your thought on epigenetic clocks, the legitimacy of it and the future, um, you know, give me, give me the rundown on, on, on your, on your point of view. Yeah. You know, I, I don't even get into much, uh, when it comes to some of these, aging evaluations with the lab work that, that I do with some of my clients, primarily uh, because, first of all, I place a lot of trust in, from a biomarker standpoint, two variables that I think are more important to track than aging clocks, namely glycemic variability and inflammation. Obviously, these days, fluctuations in blood glucose on a daily basis and average blood glucose can be very easily tracked via continuous blood glucose monitor. And I encourage everyone, you know, not necessarily every day of the year, but at least slapping on one of these sensors for a couple of weeks, you know, every couple of months can give you a great deal of data about the variations in blood sugar, uh, which, which is highly correlated to longevity. And then the inflammatory piece, there's really not a, a good continuous at-home monitor for that. Typically, that would be like a test of inflammatory markers like homocysteine and HSCRP and fibrinogen, et cetera, that you could get on, say, a quarterly basis. But that being said, the state of inflammation that, that occurs when we're looking at a chronic inflammatory condition 
tends to be correlated to a slightly lower heart rate variability. And so one could say that by tracking heart rate variability, you know, using a ring or a watch or wearable, and tracking glycemic variability using a continuous blood glucose monitor is going to allow you to keep your finger on the pulse of two biomarkers that I think are more important than these aging clocks. Now, of course, the, the old school method of using what might be considered an aging clock is telomere evaluation. You right. know, with, with some of the more accurate telomere evaluations being done by companies like uh, like SpectraCell, for example. But, uh, you know, you're looking at, at the telomere length of a collection of, of white blood cells. It's not necessarily indicative of the overall aging process. It tends to wildly fluctuate from lab to lab, and it might give you a little bit of information about the rate at which your telomeres are shortening or the overall length of your telomeres, at least on the cells that are being assayed. But I, I really think that that test, it's, it's just not that accurate. I've, I've seen a ton of different results come back from a bunch of different labs that, you know, one, one will tell you you're nine years old, one will tell you you're 50 years old biologically. And so, you know, hence the advent of these newer aging clocks, which tend to be based on uh, things such as the, the rate of methylation on the DNA as, as a predictive marker of longevity. Now, these seem to be a little bit more accurate than the telomere evaluations, but I still don't, I don't really see a lot of actionable data from something like that because you could get back what might be an accurate result of, say, your chronological age of 45, you had a biological age of, let's say, 48. And that's kind of interesting in the same way that, say, like a genetic evaluation of the gut biome might be interesting or, you know, even a, a genome analysis of, of your overall genetics might be interesting. But I, I really don't think it's as valuable as the more hard data that you'll get from, you know, blood testing, biomarker testing, uh, HRV, glycemic variability, stool analysis, urinary hormone analysis, uh, et cetera. And so, you know, I, I don't really get too carried away with these aging clocks and um, I'm not that impressed with the consistency of the data yet. You know, I've, I don't know, Ryan, I've done some of those tests, but I just, you know, it's not something I, I put a lot of time and energy into, honestly. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, no. And um, uh, much respect to your thoughts, you know, and um, and that's where I, I like to tell everybody, you know, uh, data collection is really important, right? Because like once you start collecting more data, right, you you um, and then over time. So you collect data and over time you can start doing trends, right? You can start seeing your own trends. And, and we live in a data environment, right? People want data, right? You want your financial data, you want data for your company, et cetera. And especially if you have more uh, biological data, data, the better it is, right? So, and I'm with you right there, you know, HRV, I am wearing a whoop right now. You know, it's funny you mentioned uh, continuous glucose monitor. I never wore one because I, I, I practice jujitsu uh avidly and i'm like this thing's gonna fly off so but today i actually ordered one i'm gonna figure out how i'm gonna do it i'm gonna duct tape it to my arm or something <laughs> yeah yeah you know the um the 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 thing is that they now sell like on amazon you know it's a kind of this huge market for for diabetics of course who wear continuous blood glucose monitors uh waterproof and then extremely strong adhesive bands uh very similar to like kinesio tape that you apply over the actual sensor. 
I think for athletes, one of the best places for the sensor is the back of the arm, like right about right there, rather than the abdominals, which tends to, to rub a little bit more, especially with something like rolling. And so what you do is you get a sensor and they can just, let's say you get a Dexcom G6 or a, or a Freestyle Libre or whatever, you know, those are probably the two most common models, the Dexcom and the Freestyle. And then you just go to Amazon and type in like Freestyle Libre uh, adhesive patch, right? And you, you can get a patch they put over the sensor. And some people will even go as far as to use like that topical skin glue and actually apply that over it as well. And I used to do like Spartan races wearing these things and, and you know, it was bulletproof as far as staying on. So you just really? got to modify it a little bit. And I, I haven't seen it to be an issue. Awesome, man. I actually didn't know that. Just learned something. So I appreciate that. But yeah, let me just comment a little bit on, on what you were saying. Yeah, like a big fan of fibrinogen and, and, uh, uh, homocysteine, HSCRP, you know, looking at inflammation. And also, I'm just going to tie in a little bit of everything together. I, I don't know if you're familiar with this uh, study called the TRIM trial. Uh, the thymic, um, stands for thymic regeneration, immune restoration, and insulin mitigation. And it seems like all the pre the, the principles of, of aging and, I mean, aging and inflammation, right? There's that new term, inflammaging, right? They kind of go together, right? So, um, all sits on the premise of uh, glucose variations, which leading to insulin resistance, and then, and then inflammation, which uh, leads with uh, the immune system, right? And so the immune system wearing out, and the person getting inflamed, it's like, well, this is not too complicated, buddy. <laughs> you're starting to get old, and you're starting to get some wear and tear, <laughs> you know. So yeah, right there with you. And then the question is, okay, how to track this data? And I'm gonna be honest, Ben. The, you know, the regenerative medicine space, I mean, it moves so fast. So, you know, where I kind of hide is like, okay, let me get as much data as I can. And this is personally what I like to do. You know, I, on, on my own body, on my family, et cetera, I'm like, let me collect all this data so I can actually start building trend lines and so forth and keep track of what's going on. Right. Um, and, and to me, it's super important, man. It's me. It's, you know, <laughs> it's forget money, forget yeah. everything. That's why without this, it's like there's there's nothing else, right? So I'm I'm a data guy. I'm a, I'm obsessed with collecting data, and uh, um and that's actually kind of how I started my company because I wasn't feeling good, and I was like, you know what? I don't know where to turn, so I'm just gonna collect as much data as I can. And I started, you know, connect yeah. dot, hung out with some smart people such as yourself to start. Hey, maybe it's this, maybe it's that, and you know, and uh, today we got a comeback child, <laughs> as I like to say, right? So, uh, but now let's, yeah. let's go on inflammation a little bit. So, um, your thoughts on, on, uh, um, immunological testing. So, you know, we're living in an environment now too, because everybody's like, oh, uh, you hear more about gluten toxicity and leaky gut and, 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 um, chemical, right. A lot of, for example, toxic halides, the fluorides, the, the, the chlorine and the, the bromides displacing iodine. And, and then, you know, things like, uh, uh, lead interfering with GABA, cadmium and interfering with dopamine, throwing off neurotransmitter studies or neurotransmitter health. So what are your thoughts on that too, that, you know, testing for that kind of stuff, you know, testing for, for, um, really collecting the data on, on that. I mean, do, do you see any validity on that? Because you just mentioned inflammation is kind of a little yeah. hard to, to study, you know. So what are your yeah. thoughts? On yeah. No, I'm I'm pretty basic with inflammatory markers for for measurement. Like I mentioned, you know, things like CRP and homocysteine and fibrinogen. I would say the closest that I get to making recommendations for what might be considered immunological testing is I like a company uh, called Cyrex, uh, C Y R E X. They they do a pretty good job with. Uh, testing for things like food allergy, the white blood cell reaction to like the raw and the, 
cooked version of protein. Uh, they typically double test everything. Uh, they, they do some mold and mycotoxin analyses, things like that as well. But, you know, I, I really don't do a whole lot with immunological testing. You know, obviously I'm, a, I'm not a doctor, so I'm really not, not practicing medicine in that respect anyways. But no, I, I don't really get that advanced with the immunological stuff. Yeah, I, so just the, my last webinar was with uh, uh, Dr. Mark Engelman, the medical director for Cyrix. So we, we get oh, all okay. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. Know us. Uh, I'd say we're probably one of their top clients, if not close to that. So we're, I would wow. use him a lot, a lot. Yeah, yeah. So, and Dr. Mark Engelman, he's, oh my God, he's, he's, he's a genius. Uh, I call him, uh, we call him up a lot. Uh, my staff calls him up a lot, you know, when we have questions. And, 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 and I'm going to tell you, I mean, th those tests, especially, you know, on the, um, autoimmune side, et cetera, do so much, you know, they, they, they really give guidance, you know, because as the person starts to have, for example, they start reacting to gluten, right? Like me, for one, I, I can't deal with gluten. I, this week I stopped drinking coffee, right? I am making sure so hard that I'm not eating any wheat, any gluten, because I know what it's going to do to me. I'm going to crash. Right. And actually my energy has been really good. Um, I'm married to a Cuban yeah. man. Cubans drink yeah, that's of... interesting because, you know, the, the, the coffee can have some cross-reactivity with gluten. There's, there's several things that can cross-react with gluten. But I, I think, you know, also what's interesting with, with it, you know, tests like Cyrus, to say food allergy panel, you know, a lot of people get that and they'll, they'll flag positive for certain food groups and kind of like get all defeatist and think that that means that they have a, you know, some type of immune reaction that they're stuck with for life. You know, it's very similar to like a genetic analysis where someone might find out there's say a fast caffeine metabolizer and yeah unless you get like a <laughs> crispr gene editing or something like that yeah those are your genes and that is what you're what you're stuck with if you want to think of it that way but with something like a you know an immunological test you know as you know dr d you can you, you can see significant changes let's say with protocols for for restoring uh the 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 proper lining of the gut you know things like colostrum and bone broth and, and glutamine and marshmallow root and licorice root. And a lot of these things are very nourishing to the gut. And you can retest after eight to 12 weeks and find that you have a markedly lower immune reaction. So I think it's important for people to know that, you know, you, you, you aren't necessarily stuck with the values that you get from a test like that, even though it is a good test, it doesn't result in a, like a laundry list of false positives. You know, it should be simply be used as, as a way to empower one to go about healing their gut and then return back and test and you know usually a lot of times you'll see things that that were flagging high no longer flagging high all day brother all day yeah no no we 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 make sure to and you're absolutely right on that because we get these results with our clients and like oh my god i can never eat this i'm like no 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 if you can never eat this this is something wrong you know we didn't do the the proper you know therapy etc so no yeah we, we uh, us like we make sure to tell our clients like okay you need to follow a protocol and you know we, we use things like colostrum and so forth and and uh we'll talk about a little bit about peptides in a little bit but yeah like we we use some peptides for that stuff like the bpcs and kpv yeah. tide uh yeah. depending on the you know how inflamed they are you know if it's a person with like a lot of autoimmune history family autoimmune history you know we'll you know, do a little bit of thymus therapy to really help, you know, kickstart that, that immune system. But basically, Ben, what I'm trying to get at is what we call, at least at Biohacks, physical triggers of immune response. So things that are making your immune system respond, right? And you're, you know, and it's, it's taking away quality of life. It's basically, a, which I like to say, you're living a life of scarcity, right? Where you don't have energy, you can't focus, you start to feel your memory go down, et cetera. You, you, body's not responding to what you want it to be right so uh, i'm i'm a big fan 
of looking for physical triggers of immune response, seeing what is triggering your, your immune system and calming it down, right? Because like when I went to, you know, you know, traditional medical school, there's the concept of, of immune tolerance where, Hey, you know, you, you know, you put these things into your body and you know, your body's eventually, it's going to tolerate it, but it's like, eh, hold on. <laughs> a lot of this stuff, it's like, I, I, it's, it's like an overload to the immune system. The immune system starts to really like, you know, kind of go rogue, shoot itself. Right. And that's, you know, when you start to polyreact and, and, uh, the caffeine one is a, is a good one. You know, that's, that's something I, you know, but I, I also, uh, I've had issues with a lot of issues with gluten, you know, so the concept of polyreactivity, that's, that's huge. Right. And ultimately if it doesn't stop, you start attacking yourself, right. You have an autoimmune, right. Yeah. So, um, but that's, that's pretty cool. And then last, last type of testing I'll ask you about is uh, what are your thoughts on these predictive cancer tests? You know, there's a lot of these new, like, uh, on, which, on which type of testing? Sorry, your voice is a little faint. Uh, predictive type cancer testing. So for cancers, you know, there's, there's a few of these coming out uh like grail and so forth um the they they uh there's 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 like the grail panel like there, there's about 45 different cancers that you couldn't screen for before and these guys have you know the the sensitivity and specificity on them is actually it's it's pretty good um what, what do you wow. what do you thoughts on that i don't know i don't do any 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 cancer screening tests again not yeah. being a doctor you know most of the people i work with are relatively fit and healthy who are just trying to Kind of get to the next level so that's really not something i i do much at all of you know i i certainly will recommend that folks you know work with you know yeah some of the better physicians i think in in the industry for this as far as their outside the box approach like dr nasha winters or thomas seafried or, or tom cowan some of the work they're doing with off-label pharmaceuticals at places like care oncology but i typically just refer people out if you know someone comes to me and they have an issue you know, with, with cancer so i don't run any of those tests myself no no i i wasn't asking um asking from from a standpoint of of uh of um you i i guess uh working with certain people i'm just saying your 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 standpoint i mean i know you're a, a avid biohacker and and uh you're 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 out there in terms of you know the knowing what's what's the latest and greatest yeah and yeah, no, that, that's really not something i have much experience with to be honest with you oh cool cool yeah we've uh we've uh we've been working with that and uh it's it's been interesting uh to say the least and you know again um just trying to live in the in the big data space and, and collecting the most amount of information that we can right um well what, what with that with that braille test what exactly are they looking at so for for each uh, for each of the markers, right? So there there's 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 tests there that they they we we've never been able to screen for. So for example, like a PSA, right? Well, PSA is not a very good tumor marker, right? So they've been able to come up with uh, some tumor markers for certain cancers that uh, we we have never had screening before. Some of them, you know, they have lower sensitivity and specificity. Uh, but they're what they're looking for is for precursor cells and and um, not so much for cancer process like, you know, uh, angiogenesis, et cetera, where, where the cancer which most cancer start by by forming, you know, more blood vessels, et cetera. But they're actually looking for specific cells. So let's say ovarian cells or testicular cells or pancreatic cells, uh, what have you that already have gone into to different phases of the cancer phase, right? G0, G1, et cetera, in the, in the, the mitotic processes of the cell. So they're actually looking at the cell um, 
from from what I understand. So it's it's oh, wow. something new to us too. It's something new to us too. And uh, um, the 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 predictive value that they have is pretty high. So um, yeah. and and when somebody comes positive, they 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 urge the practitioners to say, hey, you know, like let's get on with it and take this client, you know, this patient serious, you know, and, and to 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 help them get rid of this uh you know this uh situation. So I I, I yeah. I'm liking it so far. So um. All right, so so maybe let's get into some some uh, get out of the testing space and 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 maybe let's let's talk a little bit about some therapies. So some of your you know and like I said, like I'm asking from a from a general perspective. Um, I, I I to tell you the truth, I didn't even know you you worked with people specifically. So I I'm I'm asking from a from a general perspective of like the industry, right? My questions are coming from you know industry. Uh, um, as it's such a fast-growing industry, right? Even I have some a hard time to keep up. Actually, I just came back from the peptide conference, Dr. Seed's peptide. Te oh peptide. yeah. Do this webinar, and I'm going back. So, uh, you know, always trying to keep up. So, um, yeah. So, what are your thoughts on um, bioidentical uh, uh, hormones? Is it necessary? Is it not necessary? Um, what are your thoughts on that? At what age would you start them, or what symptomology? Or again, not you, but uh, um, just in general, uh, what, what do you think on bioidentical hormone therapy? Yeah, I, you know, the, the thing that I see a lot of times is it's used as kind of like a fast track band aid to poor lifestyle and training and dietary practices. I mean, if you look at something like testosterone, right, you got a lot of low hanging fruit before you even really need to get into, you know, an androgel or an injection or a pellet or something like that. And, yeah, and you'll get a lot of people, especially men over the age of 35 or beginning to experience andropause, but haven't optimized for the variables, you know, namely creatine, vitamin D, boron, zinc, magnesium, and DHEA. Those would probably be the biggest that I see over and over again as suboptimal, and yet people just like skip over all that, don't optimize those variables, which are obviously a lot easier to tackle, and instead go straight to hormone replacement. You know, same thing could be said for training. You know, we know there's a large density of androgen receptors in the lower body musculature. And yet you'll see a lot of guys, you know, going to the gym, bench pressing, or, you know, or women spending a lot of time with, with low-level physical activity on a treadmill, the elliptical. I'm obviously painting with a broad brush here, but this is just what I tend to see. And, you know, and, and not a lot of people are considering things like, you know, uh, everything from, you know, not only deadlifts and squats to more biohacking modalities like, you know, single set to failure training using something like like an ARX machine or, you know, electrical muscle stimulation using something like a catalyst or, or a newbie to really trigger those antigen receptors. And, and, you know, they're doing a lot more either lighter weight or upper body or chronic cardio, you know, from a dietary standpoint. You know, I don't know a lot of people who are consuming large amounts of of organ meats with high levels of fat soluble vitamins, you know, and, and relatively lower levels of methionine compared to muscle meat, you know, like, uh, like uh, liver, and heart, and kidney and marrow and, and bone broth rich in glycine and a lot of these things, even, even a lot of, uh, you know, there's obviously, as you know, having been to Dr. Seed's conference, there's this new field of bioregulatory peptides, which can target certain organs with a great deal of specificity. 
but I mean, even going old school and eating organ glandulars, you know, like, uh, you know, the testicles, you know, I have a whole pantry full of testicle, you know, capsules and spleen and pancreas and lung and brain and gallbladder just based off this idea. And then they actually have done some interesting amino acid tracer studies finding that those compounds can wind up in the target organ. And so, you know, I, I, I think that the other thing from a nutritional standpoint is, of course, you know, we still battle a little bit of, of fat phobia as well, you know, and, and, you know, the folks who are doing more of like a Weston A price type of approach with large amounts of, you know, ghee and butter and ferments and cod liver oil and more of the saturated portions of muscle meat from the animal, et cetera, you know, they, they tend to have a lot better hormone profiles. So what I'm getting at here is there are so many things that can be optimized from an exercise and nutrition standpoint. And then of course the lifestyle component, you know, you certainly see some people, you know, let's say a man with still pretty active, you know, LH and the latex cells in the testes are doing what they're supposed to do, but due to poor lifestyle practices, poor sleep, high cortisol, fast paced lifestyle, not enough meditation, not enough slowing down, not enough of a mindfulness practice, you know, nature doesn't want to bring a baby into a stressed out or, or famished world. And so you see an upregulation of sex hormone binding globulin. And, you know, usually that's a reaction to high levels of cortisol, which can, of course, take the, the fact that total testosterone is being regulated just fine by the testes, but free testosterone is low because it's bound. And so that's another issue. So ultimately, I think that if if you had taken care of all those things, let's say you're older, you know, a lot of times you'll see this in, in a male who's, you know, 35, 40 plus, and you do want to use hormone replacement. You know, typically I think another error that's often made is a large bolus of delivery, like an injection once or twice a week. That doesn't really match, in my opinion, the natural diurnal variation in testosterone that occurs on a daily basis, right? I think it's better to pulse with smaller amounts, for example, like a like a scrotal cream applied in the morning and then in the evening on a daily basis versus a versus an injection. You know, pellets can do a, a decent job kind of controlling that, that delivery as well in a little bit more of a natural fashion. You know, for for women, um, probably the number one issue that I tend to see is estrogen dominance paired with low progesterone and low DHEA. And you know, I have a lot of women who who feel really, really good once they start to use something as simple as like a, you know, like a like a, a DHEA uh, combined with, for example, like a transdermal progesterone, you know, along with attention paid to eliminating uh, phytoestrogens and estrogenic compounds from their environment, like their personal care products and household cleaning chemicals and, you know, plastic containers and things along those lines. And and a lot of women who tend to have, you know, everything from from period issues to low libido, uh, low sex drive, you know, low energy, they tend to do really well once they begin to lower estrogen and increase progesterone and DHEA. Uh, but again, same thing for women. There's a lot of lifestyle factors at play as well, you know, when it comes to the sleep, to the stress, to the high intake of fat soluble vitamins, et cetera. So I think that there's there's a lot of low hanging fruit to tackle before you go hardcore in, in the hormone replacement therapy. Right. And um, one one uh, one point here actually that I ended up skipping. I just looked back because when you started talking about zinc and so forth, um, one the question before I had before was actually your thoughts on uh, um, micronutrient therapy. So because we don't do anything. Like I said, we collect data, right? You just mentioned women with a lot of their personal hygiene products and soaps and et cetera, et cetera. So we do chemical testing and so forth because lots of times it's right there. It's in the chemical test and you see it. You know, this person's having issues with tetrachloroethylene or whatever, heavy metals, whatever it is. 
And uh, so, and then it's producing a lot of those xenoestrogens and so forth. So yeah, that that's that's something definitely aligned with you right there, brother. And and um, but on the micronutrient side too, because um, and again, I, I have an MD, but I I'm a doctorpreneur, if you will. I I'm, I'm I have the, uh, other clinicians that we we are are practicing and so forth. But as you know, I, I build the model of what we're we're doing. I always say, you know, this is not a hormone replacement place. This is not you know peptide. This, this is a place to balance the body, right? To remove toxicity, number one, replace what's missing, so your body produces its own hormone. So your body get your body becomes optimal again. That's why I like to say, you know, go back to the grand design kind of how you were designed by your maker, you know, uh, to operate, you know, and then, and, and that's why there's nature and that's where we should be getting our things. Right. Unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, especially if you're living, I'm in downtown Miami, you know, in the middle of the cement jungle. Right. I mean, it's a little harder to do certain things. I, I can see you're probably not in the middle of downtown somewhere right there, right now, but, um, and, and lots of times, Ben, I'm going to tell you, I, I wonder, I'm like, will I move my family into the middle of nowhere? one day and, you know, just grow my own stuff. And, uh, because I'm, I'm right there with you, you know, I, I think the, the answer is not taking a bunch of, of, uh, of things that we don't, that we don't want to. And then you even get into medications, but the answer is to go as natural as possible. Unfortunately, yeah. unfortunately, lots of times the body's not, I mean, you can't get it through your foods, et cetera, you know, um, but biochemical therapy to me is massively important. I'm reading now for the second time, a book called nutrient power. It's, uh, by William Walsh, you know, it talks about all, it talks about pretty much psychiatry and uh -huh. biochemical therapy, uh, for psychiatry, which instead of, you know, and, 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 and it also, you know, talks about how that's probably going to be the future of medicine. And I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, there's a, there's a law, there's Pfeiffer's law that for every chemical that's able to produce a impact on the, on the psyche, there's also a natural occurring element that can do the same. So, you know, and I, I really believe in that, you know, and that's where I, we, one of the biggest things you mentioned SpectraCell a few moments ago, we, we, we use them and you've, we've, use them for a long time. Um, I really like their testing to me. Micronutrient therapy is the first thing. Because if you can suffice your biochemical pathways, right, with uh, I, I never got into the organ meats and the, you know, into the, that stuff. I, I, I've never um, um, I'm, I'm a pretty uh, I, I, I love I love my steak, but I haven't gotten that that hardcore yet. But, you know, with the wow, you're missing um, out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, why, why not? I mean, if you're biohacking, you got to try, you know, maybe I might do a 30 days uh 30 days we're gonna meet you know you'll feel like a superhero if you do stuff's amazing just the bioavailability is, is wonderful as well plus it's an anti-aging hack because you're getting a lot more of the the glycine and other compounds that help to kind of uh counteract the high levels you know like i was mentioning the amino acid methionine that's primarily in the muscle meat that's why our ancestors would have fed the muscle meat to the dogs they knew it was good for them you know and they'd go for the marrow and the liver and the kidney and the heart and even the, the brain and so you know, there, there's there's a lot of benefit to be had from that. And you're right. Like I, you know, I live out on 10 acres in the forest. I got goats. I got chickens. We grow most of our own food. I'm out in the sunshine a lot of the day. You know, I'm I'm working with my hands. I'm laboring. You know, I think that that lifestyle compared to like a modern industrial indoor lifestyle where you're trying to, to battle against your box you're living in with, you know, injections and synthetics. Yeah, you can 
you can get along to a certain extent with that, but man, you just feel so much more better and, you know, connected to the sacredness of nature and connected to your body, et cetera, when you kind of flip the switch and go with a little bit more of a natural approach, in my opinion. No, absolutely, man. I mean, unfortunately, it's like, like I said, a lot of our clients, it's not their luxury, right? They're, they're living in high rises and so forth and, you know, uh, breathing in all this smog, et cetera. I mean, our, our, I mean, what we try to do when we see a lot of these people are deficient, it's like, Hey man, we're going to custom make some injections for you at, you know, at, uh, pharmacies, you know, and here you, you need some micronutrients. Lots of times when you give these guys micronutrients, et cetera, you know, and you use some, like, I'm a huge fan of boron and we use the Tenkat Ali and the Fadoja. Yeah all that good stuff i mean you just see those hormone levels right you know especially on young guys like hey man lots of times it's like and then cortisol cortisol is wreaking havoc on this guy you know they're stressed and you know and and that's where mindfulness always comes in as well man because are you seeing is it's your your brain doesn't run on reality it runs on your damn perception brother so it's like are you is it you stress or distress right and then you know as that cortisol is ramping up and you know we we see where when you mitigate these levels of of stress or how you're seeing stress let's say um uh, I don't really know about levels of stress. Everybody has stress. It's how you see it, right? Um, the person, the person's hormone profile starts to improve. So yeah, we're we're yeah. definitely aligned on that. Like it's what always what I say. First, you know, let's clean out all the toxicity in your life, right? And hey, if the person can move out of the big city and move into to to uh, you know go go to a place that's more isolated, et cetera. You know, I I grew up. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with them. I grew up Seventh Day Adventist. You know, we're we're uh, yeah. Uh, Blue zones in the U.S. Yeah, I, I grew up that way. So, um, so I, I I grew up not eating, you know, no scavengers, none of that stuff. Like that was just like ingrained in me as a kid. But what, what I uh, there's a few cancer treatment centers down in South America, and it's in the middle of nowhere. It's in the middle of the jungle, and all you're gonna yeah. they're gonna give you is just pure freaking veggies, and it's like the, they just blend the stuff, and you're not having a lot of calories a day. You're having very little calories, and what you're having is just it's coming straight from nature in the middle of nowhere, no cell phone, no nothing. You're just going to, you know. Yeah, had- there's a place like that called the Swiss Mountain Clinic. You know, you fly into Milan, it's a 90-minute drive from there, and, you know, and there's like the Paracelsus Clinic in Germany, which is like $40,000 a week. This one in the Swiss Mountain Clinic, it's like 5000 bucks a week, same treatments, and, you know, they got yeah, – it's out in the middle of nowhere, you know, no Wi-Fi, low EMF. They've even tested it for the geopathic stressors. And it's one of those kind of like areas that has naturally high levels of the Schumann resonance frequency and some of those healing frequencies emanated by the planet Earth. Super good, clean, pure, pristine water from a spring. You know, the menu is set up to, for a pure exact condition. A lot of people go there for Lyme, cancer, et cetera. But, you know, it's uh, it's a little bit different than, say, like fancy treatments, uh, let's say the Mayo Clinic, because the environment is optimized. I think that some people may think you got to move to like a pristine Himalayan mountaintop or something like that. But I mean, fact is, even even in a high rise, like you can get a good HEPA air filter with a negative ion generator and begin to use essential oils similar to what you'd be getting outside and use infrared light panels to simulate sunlight and and, you know, use grounding and earthing pads in your bed for a night of sleep. And so there's ways that you can kind of simulate nature even in those environments. Although, obviously, nothing's going to come close to the real thing, in my opinion. Yeah, I know. But I just want to do a little webcam fist bump with you because definitely aligned with you on the nature side, you know. And and uh, like I told you, if, if you know um, 
anything like I told you, I grew up at Adventures. We're big in nature. Like that's something they suggest even, you know, spend time with your kids in nature, et cetera, you know. So um, but um let let, let me let me kind of open it here. Um, you know, because I I've been kind of pulling you to uh answer some questions here on on some of our methodologies and some thoughts and i really appreciate you know all your input but so what is some of your favorite hacks man like just your you know little formula to superhuman you know and and i kind of i promised a few people i'm like okay i'm going to talk to him for you know 30 to 40 minutes try to figure out you know a a, a little success formula, a little cheat sheet you know and if 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 i may yeah. you know, what i usually say look number one remove toxicity i call it the five r's right Remove toxicity, number one. You know, the, the, where's the inflammation coming from your life, et cetera? Is it, you know, uh, is it the soaps? Is it the foods you're eating? Whatever. Infl uh, remove, remove is number one. Number two, replenish. What's missing? You know, like micronutrients, et cetera. You know, right foods, et cetera. Replenish whatever is missing. Number three, re-inoculate. Re-inoculate re that gut flora. Gut flora is super important, right? Um, four, recovery. How's your recovery process doing? It's very important. And then ultimately, I call, like the last R I call, re-exist. Because that's when you start to live a better life, you know that. And, yeah. and ultimately, this is what I, you know. There's 12,000 documented diseases right now, about 129 documented autoimmune diseases. Okay, but the process for all of them is four things. Um, and you'll let me know if you agree with this. Number one, submethylation. Number two, oxidation. Number three, glycation issues. And number four, inflammation. You control these four pillars, all of a sudden, you know, things start to improve in your life. You know, that's my little two cents on, on a success formula. Now, if you could do that by moving into a 10 acre piece of land in the middle of somewhere really nice and lower EMF levels and grow your own food, et cetera, by all means. But also, if you're in the, stuck in the middle of this, you know, city and you're a fast paced person and, you know, we got to be honest, man, a lot of people are not going to do that. They're not going to go move into the middle of, you know, of somewhere isolated, et cetera. So, you know, figure out how you're going to do it. But that's that's my little my little two cent on my on a little my success formula. What's what's your thoughts on that? And what's your little formula? Yeah, I like that formula. You know, I I would say, you know, you kind of like have a nice little four-legged stool there in terms of the glycation and the, and the methylation and the inflammation and the, um, the what was your last one? It was a... I call that? it SOGI. I call it SOGI, just to make it easy. Yeah. Submethylation, oxidation, glycation, inflammation, SOGI. Yeah, yeah. So the submethylation component, I think, yeah, I totally agree with all that, I would say one thing to bear in mind is that when you see submethylation and poor toxin and poor metal clearance, typically uh, the other thing that you tend to have to address, in my opinion, is a high load of metals. And then, and this flies under the radar a lot, the uh, emerging electro hypersensitivity that occurs uh, when you have that combination of already being in cell danger response mode from the influence and metal you'll wind up having a lot of people who load from the submethylation and so who feel really good if they can laugh in their personal environment you know in terms of like wi-fi bluetooth you know things along those lines so you know just a, a random aside regarding the submethylation as it results in some some downstream issues that i think also often need to be addressed now you know the whole electro hypersensitivity thing i guess that's you know, to more directly reply to your question about, you know, hacks that I think should be top of the totem pole to optimize one's health span and lifespan. You know, I think it was Nikola Tesla who said that if you want to understand the universe, you got to think in terms of energy and frequency and vibration. Yeah. When you look at books like, 
Robert Becker's Body Electric or Jerry Tennant's Healing is Voltage. You know, you come across this concept of the human body is almost like a battery with the necessity for uh, a relatively uh, negative uh, electrical chemical electrochemical potential um, on the interior of the cell and more positive on the exterior of the cell. And, uh, you know, anything that you can do to optimize that battery and the flow of electrons, not only through the electron transport chain, but throughout the rest of the body is really going to serve you well. And, you know, obviously you've got, you know, men's health and women's health magazine and the popular, you know, fitness and health world, you know, lauding the benefits of physical activity and eating healthy, but ignoring the fact that there's a lot of other things that must be done in order to optimize physiology, especially when you look at things from a, from a battery or an electrical standpoint. And so, you know, there are certain things that I think should be top of the totem pole based on that. For example, you know, how do you actually excite uh, excite minerals and electrons in the human body? How do you actually, you know, do things like like structure the blood in the same way that water would be structured as it travels up through the vasculature of a plant, even without the, the beating of a heart, you know, against gravity? Well, a lot of that is based on photonic light charging and exposure yep. to high amounts, particularly of infrared light. And so. Uh, one really, really big component, I think, of a, of a fully healthy lifestyle is not only adequate sun exposure in a wise and discerning way so that you're not burning yourself with excess UVA and UVB radiation, for example, between like, you know, about 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. are some of the more difficult times to be out there. But, you know, right when you wake up, large amount of sun exposure to establish a normal and healthy circadian rhythm. And then throughout the day, repeated bouts of exposure to photons of light to excite the electrons in your body combined with the use of things like infrared saunas, infrared light panels, you know, infrared headset devices for the brain, which have been shown to delay onset of things like dementia, and Alzheimer's, and basically becoming a little bit of like a, a light hound, a light seeker, a light eater, and really understanding that if you're indoors, even under like bright LED fluorescent light, that in no way mimics the natural light that you're getting from the sun and from infrared light sources. So, you know, uh, gosh, there's a, you know, there's a panel right beside me here that I stand in front of while I'm working that shines infrared light on my body. There's an infrared sauna in the room next door, you know, sunlight outside. And then, you know, there's uh, there's even this, um, this, this concept of doing things that help your body to absorb those photons of light even better, such as the use of things like methylene blue or, dark greens like chlorella and spirulina, which help those photons to interact with the cells in, in a more, in a, in a format that allows for even greater ATP production. And so, you know, you're eating blues, you're eating greens, you're getting photons of light, you're getting a good spectrum of infrared, you're getting out in the sunlight, especially earlier in the day. And then in your home, ideally, you're replacing fluorescent LED light with more natural forms of lighting that more closely mimic sunlight, such as I think the best is, is you know, in all rooms of the house, except for the sleeping areas, incandescent light bulbs, and then in the sleeping areas, red incandescent light bulbs. And that will do a really good job giving you more of an outdoorsy feel, no matter where you're at in the house at what time of day. So light would be a biggie. A second would be uh, interaction with the Earth's frequencies, which I briefly mentioned earlier, because these also help to charge the body. You know, when lightning strikes the planet, it just basically causes this surge of negative ions 
to be injected into the into the surface of the earth that we live on. And so if you go outside and you walk outside barefoot along the beach, especially in like salt water, it's amazing for grounding and earthing, laying on your back in your backyard, even buying things like grounding and earthing mats that you can stand on, that you place like underneath your desk or underneath the top sheet of your bed, climbing rocks, touching trees, basically harnessing both the negative ions from the planet as well as these frequencies that range anywhere from three to 100 hertz that have really good anti-inflammatory and healing power and again help to charge up the body's battery you know it's one of the best things you can do after you've been traveling 40,000 feet above the planet in a giant metal tube you know disconnected from the earth's healing frequencies is to get outside barefoot it's one of the best fixes for jet lag that i know of or to go lay on your back in a park because you're just basically resetting your body's battery. So light and grounding would be two. Uh, you know, the, the charges, the electrolytes have to be carried through your body somehow. And, you know, the nature of the water that you drink can help to form a little bit of what is called an exclusion zone where you've got a higher positive charge, or I'm sorry, high negative charge on, on, on the uh, liquid and a higher positive charge on the vasculature that the liquid travels through. And so a lot of people use a website like, you know, findaspring.com to find water that's actually structured in that way. And if you don't, you can get a whole house water filtration system or pour through water filters or countertop water filters that are not just like reverse osmosis or carbon block, which are great. But then after the water passes through the carbon block filtration or through the reverse osmosis filtration, it passes through a structured water filter and structured water basically it, it introduces like a vortices and a series of minerals that the water passes through to allow it to be much more close to like an underground spring that our you know ancestors might have might have tapped into for water without it sitting in pipes and you know in the municipal water supply you know collecting fluoride and chlorine and birth control pills and whatever else happens to be in there so drinking clear filtered pure structured water and then mineralizing that water with really, really good sources of minerals. Obviously, there's tons of companies out there that sell trace liquid minerals. There's tons of different very high quality salt companies out there. But salting water, adding electrolytes to water, salting food, and basically consuming a lot of these, these charged particles that allow your body's battery to stay charged is also very important. So I pay a lot of attention to your water intake, especially your structured water intake. So as your mineral intake in addition to the light and the earthing. And then I think probably another two that are biggies in my own life that I think also help with not just blood flow, but electron flow. And again, this, this idea of the body as a battery, one would be regular bouts of hyperthermia uh, just because of the heat shock proteins, the cellular resilience, the decrease in blood pressure, the increase in cardiovascular efficiency, the increase in blood glucose control, and the host of other positive benefits derived from a regular robust weekly sauna practice or if you don't have access to a sauna just basically getting a really good sweat on you know it might be exercising in the heat of the afternoon or wearing an extra layer of clothing to the gym you know there's a lot of ways to hack this I, I think the best way to do it is via like a full spectrum infrared sauna because you're getting both the heat and the light photons I was talking about earlier but three to five times a week you know from 20 to 45 minutes of hyperthermia I think it's fantastic. And then, of course, no surprises here, 
you'd ideally want to pair that with some form of cold thermogenesis, which again allows for increased cellular resilience. It's one of the best ways to control that glycemic variability that I was talking about earlier, even as short as a one minute bout of cold can do a fantastic job stabilizing blood glucose for hours afterwards. But basically something like a cold shower at the beginning and the end of the day, more difficult in Miami. I know the water doesn't get too cold there, but you of course have facilities that have things like cryotherapy chambers. There are companies now that make like cold tubs and cold tanks and cold soaks that you can basically just install in your house. Some people go old school and pick up a couple bags of ice a few days a week on their way home from the you know, gas station, and dump it into their bathtub. But basically, you know, one rule I live by is at least once a day, I try to breathe hard at least once a day. I try to break a really good sweat at least once a day. I try to get into like a teeth chattering, shivering type of cold environment. And again, it doesn't have to be long, even just two to five minutes of cold couple of times a day or even just once a day can be really beneficial. So let's say you're moving and you're eating healthy, why at least start with like light, earthy and grounding, water, quality water, minerals, heat and cold. And, and you know, that's a pretty good start. There you go, man. There you go. You said you said a lot of stuff I, I wanted to comment on, but I was you're, you're on a roll. I didn't want to interrupt you. But yeah, the the structured water, huge on that, too. And and then just the the concept of uh, you being a battery that that, you know, and um, I like Dr. Tennant a lot and the stuff that uh, he teaches, et cetera. Like I, I totally believe in that. And actually, because of that, I bought a biocharger maybe like a year or so ago. Uh, I don't know if you're yeah. familiar with chargers yeah oh yeah i use mine every day Ton, typically a couple times a day yeah because that's a combination of of uh infrared light negative ions pulsed electromagnetic field therapy which is like that grounding and earthing that i was talking about but on steroids and then radio frequencies which are like these old school rife therapies you know speaking of tesla very similar to some of the research that he did that can be used to target everything from parasites to yeast the fungus inflammation the lymph flow so so yeah that, that's a great tool for stacking a lot of these modalities yeah so the, yeah that's what that's what i needed to do i'm like okay how can i and i found the device and uh don't uh i don't know if you ever touched the lightning bolt on that that thing generates a top <laughs> yeah my kids <laughs> like to do that <laughs> yeah well i didn't have a good experience but um uh but but anyhow no so so listen brother i i really appreciate a lot of the the insights that you've you've dropped in today you know i definitely uh feel a lot of alignment um actually complete alignment within everything you said you know um and i know you were getting you know familiar a little bit with what we do but you know it just comes down to data collect as much data as we can to really understand how the body works and uh um and get the biochemical processes of the body moving, et cetera. And, and like I summarized to you, I got that little little success formula. Yeah. And and then how you're going to do it, right? Um, you know, depends on on what your resources are. But like you were saying, you just gave so many little good hacks, you know, like, and I like that one, you know, even just getting a bag of ice on your way from work and just filling your tub with it. You know, We're, we're building here an insane biohacking facility uh, here in downtown Miami. So oh, wow. if you're Town, yeah, like I'm, I'm talking about like yeah, well, I'll be in town bringing my sons down for a free diving and spearfishing trip down to South Florida in, uh, in January or no, I'm sorry, April. And then I'll be down there actually at a place in Sarasota, Dr. John Lawrence's facility down there teaching a clinic in December. So a couple of times I'll be down in your kind of neck of the woods.
Oh, I'd love for you to go. No, I'm telling you, like I, I basically all the biohacking equipment. I mean, almost like the the cryos and the hyperbaric chambers and the infrared beds. I, I will have it here at our facility. It's it's almost done. It'll be done in two months. So, um, I insist not buy, man. You you're gonna like it. it. You know, for for city people, I I I think you'll be pretty impressed at at what that you know what will have put together. I mean, everything's gonna be balancer pro. I mean, we we really put we're putting everything in one room and uh you know just seeing how many superhumans we can create i love it all right man so listen wanted to thank you for your time uh this was the first time i also got to spend some time with you really cool dude definitely vibed with you man and uh look forward to running into you again and uh you know and uh we got to get this word out more brother because uh, unfortunately the world's not you know mainstream media etc is not taking the world into a good place of health yeah man, so. Yeah, we we got a lot of work to do and roll up our sleeves and keep preaching the good the good message, man. And and you know, thank you for your time today, man. Really great. All right, love what you're doing, Doctor D. Keep up the great work, man. All right, man. God bless, man. Talk later. God bless you too. All right, bye.